Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is Adam. I'm the volunteer coordinator here at DHC. I'd like to begin the message by just giving a public shout out of thanks to the Museum of Discovery and Science for fixing the down escalator. Oh, wait, that did not happen again as predicted last week. But however, um, listen, I'm not doing the announcements today. I got to start out with a zinger, right? Um, Anyway, I'm super excited to be here to be in the week two of this series, talk, conversation, whatever you want to call it, called Love Connection. And I just want to start by saying that this series is for you, wherever you're at in this room, specifically related to relationships. Maybe you are single in this room and you're trying to find love and that's where you're at in life. Maybe you are dating someone and you're trying to figure out, hey, should we get engaged? Should we take that next step? Maybe you're engaged and you're about to walk down the aisle and you're about to say yes to making that lifelong commitment. Maybe you're married. Maybe you've been married for a short time, maybe a long time. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe, right, you are divorced and it didn't work out for you. Maybe you're divorced for a second time that didn't work out for you and you're going to yourself, why can't this work out for me? I don't know where you're at, but I just know that this message is for you. And I'm so excited to be kicking off week two because last week, Christina talked about falling in love. And we talked about how that was kind of easy to do, right? That was almost addicting. We're we're kind of obsessed with all these shows out there in culture these days. The Bachelor, by the way, is anyone watching Love is Blind on Netflix, okay? First of all, if you're not, stop what you, just leave now and go turn it on because here's the deal. Like I started watching, here's here's how it went in my home, right? Because we have a newborn and so we're watching more Netflix than ever, but I'm, I'm sitting at the kitchen table and Caitlin's watching this and I start ripping on the show and I'm going, I cannot believe this is on in my home. And then sure enough, I I like look at it. I'm going, oh, this is interesting. And I sit down on the couch and now I can't stop because you got to know what happens next, right? And I'm like episode five and she jumped me by a couple episodes. I'm like, don't tell me what happens to these. Go home and watch it, right? It's It's a big deal. So But today, uh, Christina talked about falling in love last week. Today, I'm going to talk about what it looks like to stay in love. And I just really want to just be clear about this, is that, again, this is for everybody right where you're at. The things we're going to talk about today are going to help you right where you're at figure out specifically related to romantic relationships, because so many of us deal with that. So many of us walk through those moments week in and week out, and what does staying in love look like for the long haul? So when I moved to Fort Lauderdale about 11 years ago or so, I started to see like some signs on park benches in our city. Like have you ever noticed that like for whatever reason, the city of Fort Lauderdale has mastered the art of advertising on the park bench. I don't know like if this is popular in all cities, but in Fort Lauderdale, we seem to have figured out how to do this. And one really struck my interest when I moved here. And I thought it was really interesting. Have you seen the the picture's terrible, but have you seen this one? Divorcewithoutwar.com, okay? It was interesting because I started to notice that these were like all over the city. There was another one that I also noticed, and I thought this one was just as interesting. Okay, I don't, do, you, do you know Larry? Because I don't, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who Larry is, but I've seen... Because if you got to tell somebody to trust you, I generally don't know that I do, but I, like, I'm, I'm driving in my car and I'm going, who in the world's Larry? And why is, I mean, but anyway, so let's go back to this one, the one that we're talking about today, okay? I started to look at this and I started to go, wow, we're marketing divorce, because it's become such a norm, right? It's one of those things where we're going, hey, it might not work out for you. It may, it may be rough for you. It's going to be trying for you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to figure out how to make it as easy as possible for you. And we're going to make it, you know, we're going to try to make a profit off it as well. 
And so I found it to be very interesting as, it, as we looked at this, and here's what, I, here's what I discovered from staring at this park bench for so many years. Relationships separating have become the norm in our culture. Relationships just splitting apart, dating, marriage, engaged people, whatever it is, has just become the norm in our culture. So much that we are marketing this because it happens so frequently. Now, I just want everybody to know that in every, most likely every single person's life, this has probably happened. You probably didn't marry your first boyfriend or your first girlfriend. It probably didn't happen, and that has happened. And, and, and every situation doesn't work out. First of all, we just want to start by saying we get that. That's okay. At this church, we wade through that together. So don't be beat up by anything that we're going to talk about today. But here's just what we want to talk about, because relationships separating have become the norm in our culture. But as I have kind of walked through a career in ministry for about the past 20 years or so, and I've sat with people, even as a younger leader, I've sat with people, um, I've sat with my peers, I've sat with older people, younger people, I started to see that those who separated in their relationships, maybe even divorced in their relationships, started to encounter a problem. And the problem is, is that this is what I saw consistently. Now, this is not every single situation, but it was a lot of them. The problem is, is that you generally end up in the same set of circumstances with a different person and half the money, okay? And that's a problem. So we generally, when we split up or we divorce, we generally end up in a very similar set of circumstances just with someone else. And because as human nature, we tend to be attracted to the same kind of a person. It's just who we are. And so we generally end up in a similar situation with someone else. We've just changed the pieces of the, you know, the game around. And we end up with a similar set of circumstances. So started, and John's, by the way, next week as John talks about recovering from love, um, maybe you've been broken by love, maybe you've been divorced, maybe that's something you're struggling through, John's going to hammer that next week and close the series and it's just going to kill it, it's going to be awesome. So as I waded through this, I started to ask myself a question, what would it look like to actually stay in love? What would it look like to actually be committed to someone and stay in love long term? What does that actually look like? Well, I started to think about this because, and I started to think about, okay, what would I say to a church? I've only been married 11 and a half years. Um, I, what would I say to a church if they, they gave me the microphone to talk about this? What would I say in this moment? Well, I want to say this. Staying in love over the course of time is one of, if not the hardest thing you will ever do. It is very difficult to do. Why? Because you're coexisting with another human being in the same house. That's difficult. That is not an easy task. I remember, I've told this story from this stage before. Caitlin and I were a couple that we didn't live together before we got married. We got married and dove in and moved in together. And I remember like our first couple of weeks of um, living together, I would wake up and I would go, why are you still here? Like it, it was just, it was, it was one of those things that I was like, I, I wanted my space. I wanted my comfort. And I, it, now here we are coexisting in the same residence together. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Staying in love is not easy. Staying in love is very difficult. But specifically as followers of Jesus and those of us who've said yes to following after Jesus and following after his principles, we understand something. We understand that Jesus never called us to a life that is easy. Okay? He never called us to a life that was easy. He always called us to a life that was a higher standard and said, I'm talking to you, my followers, about this, never claiming it was going to be easy, but I know that it's better if you can figure it out long term. Again, 
doesn't always work out. So how do we reconcile that? How do we understand his teachings and what it looks like to stay in love? I have a question. And I think this is going to smack some of you, you know, right between the eyes. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question, so stay with me. Um, have you ever been to a wedding? Okay. In fact, if you've ever, um, most people have, but let me just see a show of hands. If you've ever been to a wedding, raise your hand. Okay. Fantastic. Most of the room, which is, which is exciting. Um, I just want to talk to you about weddings for a second. They're the worst. Okay. Have you, <laughs> do yourself a favor. If you're getting married, don't invite me to your wedding. And let me tell you why, right? Because g- girls, they get all excited. Like my wife going, oh, look at this invitation. Look at so-and-so who's getting married. You know what all guys think when they see a wedding invitation? They go, that's a bill. That's a bill. It's an, and that's an expensive bill. That's a, you know, especially if they ask you to be in it. Talk, renting a tux. All, like, I mean, it's the absolute worst thing. And then, like, I, and then you got to go. To, if it's even like a destination wedding, you want to talk about a bill? Brutal, okay? Do yourself a favor. I'll, I'll even send you a check. Just, don't, just put on the invitation. Don't come send check. I would gladly do that to avoid having to go to the wedding. And the weddings are fine, right? You're happy for the bride and the groom. Oh, look, there they are, right? And you're up there. And then all of a sudden, you're going... And, and, and then you get to the reception. Have you ever seen this? You get to the reception, and they introduce the bridal party, okay? Who cares? It's, I mean, who are these people that would care about this? It's one of the, it's like, oh, and there's, they should just make a broad announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, now introducing the groomsmen, a group of men in ill-fitting tuxedos without a tailor, because that's exactly what it is. And we see this, and we tend to go, okay, so I'm just, okay, anyway, they're the worst. But... Something happens at every wedding that we might gloss over that actually might allow us to understand how you stay in love long-term. So you want to stay in love? You want to stay in love? There are some things that happen, one specific thing that happens at a wedding, pretty much every wedding I've ever been to, where when it happens, it tends to just seem routine. We tend to gloss over it, and we tend to go, okay, I've heard this before. This happens at every single wedding that I've been to. How am I going to just get through this moment here? I'm going to let it go in one ear and out the other. But if you want to look at what it looks like to stay in love long term, this happens at every single wedding. And these, right, these clear instructions of how to stay in love are found in one simple verse. And you've probably heard it before. More than likely, every one of you have been to a wedding. You've heard this verse before. And it's so key. And so true, and it holds the secrets, which are not actually a secret, as it relates to staying in love. So in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, written by the Apostle Paul, potentially the most famous Christian to ever walk the face of the earth, he had some pretty clear instructions for the people in Corinth about what love looked like. And I'm going to put it up on the screen, and here it is. You've seen this, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Now, I get to speak only a few times a year up here at DHC, probably, you know, between seven and eight times a year, they'll give me the microphone. But John and Christina have this thing that they do where they're obsessed with putting this colored text on the screen. Have you seen this? And it it annoys me. And so one of the things that I did in this moment was because I found the whole verse is going to be melon by the end of the, you know, the end of the run of it here. So let me just go on because I got rid of the colored text, okay? Now we can really focus. Love does not delight in evil. 
but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are many languages, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. You've heard this verse at probably every wedding that you've ever been to in your entire life. Here's the question. Have you ever really landed on it and looked at what it said? Or have you just let it go in one ear and out the other, like I do at every single wedding that I've ever been to? But here's the truth. For the rest of the message here today, we're just going to unpack this one verse and what this looks like. It's actually multiple verses, but we're going to unpack these verses. and We're going to dive into what this looks like. So let's go back. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. So let's just take a look at this for a second. Let's look at the first one. Love is patient, right? Oh boy, is patience not the hardest thing that we can deal with? Patience is brutal. A lot of times people ask me, we'll talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and they'll go, what do you think is the most difficult fruit of the Spirit? And I go, love, joy, peace, patience. The old fourth fruit of the Spirit, very difficult, especially as it relates to your spouse or the person you're dating, right? Here's what patience looks like in a relationship, okay? You wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for your spouse, like when they're getting ready in the bathroom, and I say to my spouse, how could your hair need to be any more straight than it already is? <laughs> we keep straightening and straightening, and, I, and she goes, well, I'm almost done, you know, and, and I'm just standing there looking at my watch, and she goes, you know, I get faster ready than most women on the planet. I hear that one a little bit, right? Patience. It's, it's, it's like this question. Right? I love this one. Where do you want to go to dinner, sweetheart? I don't know. Where do you want to go to dinner? You decide tonight. No, 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 no. Where do you want to go to dinner? Really, really, at the end of the day, you pick. No, where do you want to go to dinner tonight? And I'll go, okay, somebody's got to make a call here. Let's go to Kalu's. Great place. I don't want to go there. <laughs> right? And you just, you just go, have you, have you seen this? And you go, okay. So, but you wait and you wait and you wait and then patience is there for a reason. Listen, if being in a dating relationship, furthermore, a marriage does not take patience, I don't know what does. It is not easy. It's difficult. Patience is something we all need to exhibit. Love is patient. How about this one? Love is kind. Ooh, man. I just defined this in a very specific way. Kind. You address him or her in a kind and gentle way. And a lot of people have difficulty doing this with their spouse specifically or the person they're dating. So Caitlin and I in our home, we have a barometer of kindness. We put this into place a couple of years ago, and I think it's really cool. So one of the things you may not know about me, or maybe you do know it about me, but I have three of what I would call the cutest girls on planet Earth living in my house, okay? My wife, Caitlin, daughter, Libby, and petite golden doodle, Dottie. And I just believe that she's extremely cute, but the dog is also sensitive and emotional, okay? She's got her problems. She's been in therapy. It's a whole thing, but we're working it out. What I'm saying is, is our barometer for kindness is when Caitlin and I are having a conversation and we all of a sudden see Dottie start to do this and look at her, look at us out of the side of her eye and all of a sudden she goes under a chair 
we're behind the couch and we go, the voices are getting a little bit um, ambitious, let's just call it. They're getting a little bit loud. They're getting a little bit tough in their tone. And this dog knows when that happens. I've never seen anything like it. What does that look like in your house? What's that look like in your relationship? When the tone gets a little rough, it doesn't speak kindness into our marriage. Love does not envy, right? It means just basically this. I see a lot of competition in marriage, and I don't know why. Between the spouses where they're going, he or she might do better than me at this, and I want to be better. And, and, and so envy can creep in. Have you seen this? I've, pro- I've seen it before. It can just happen. Here's just what I want you to know what envy means related to love, because love does not envy. When your spouse wins, you win. We should want them to win. We should want he or she to win. That's what we should do. Love does not envy. Love does not boast, which is really key. Love does not boast. So I have a very clear question for you. I think this is going to hit all of us, right? Right between the eyes. Um, Ever win an argument? The answer is no, right? You've never won an argument in your life. However, if you've won an argument, you boasted about it? Remember the last time we got into an argument? Who won? Say that phrase in your home and let me know how it goes. <laughs> I would love a, like a test. Kind of like, say, right? And then you're going, that's not a good way to do business. That certainly does not represent love. Not according to the Bible. Not according to the Holy Scripture. Right? Love does not boast. Look at me and how great I am. Right? At loving. Right? That's not it at all. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Let's just land here for a second. Love does not dishonor others, meaning we always honor other people, specifically the person that we're in a relationship with or married to. Love is not self-seeking, meaning we're not looking to build ourselves up with love. We're looking to give something to someone else as we love. Love is not easily angered. Let me tell you one thing that I've never seen go over well in a marriage, a short fuse. I've never seen it go over well. I've I've never seen a couple come into counseling and you go, you want to know what I really love about him? He's got a short fuse. You know, he just flies off the handle, throws stuff. It's really good. Like, it's just been a picture of hell. No. Easily angered. We want to be slow to anger, right? I love this one. Keeps no record of being wrong being wronged. Let me put up a phrase on the screen that you've heard, you've probably said, right? It's the idea of forgiving and forgetting. And you've probably said this, and you've probably said it to your spouse. I can forgive, but I won't forget. You ever said that? You ever thought that? Let me just tell you what my opinion is on this particular phrase. It is completely backwards, does not work, and goes against the teachings of Jesus. If we do forgive, but don't forget, we are doing it wrong, specifically with your spouse, because imagine you standing before God someday, and he says to you, Jesus himself, you know, I forgave you, sure enough, I did, but here's a list of all of the things that I never forgot that you did. That is not the way that he did business. That is not the way he does business. And if we are going to be followers of Jesus, I can forgive, but I don't forget does not work. Wipe it from your life. It does not work. It's one of those things that keeps no record of being wronged. 
That means when someone says, by the way, side note, this is not an this is not a you know opportunity for you to become a doormat. This is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you should let someone walk all over you. We can have that conversation. What I am saying though is that when you say I forgive, you forgive. That's what that means. Keeps no record of being wronged. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of being wronged. It goes on, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Let's start here. It always protects. And you're protective of that person. You want always what's best for them. Envision just putting your arms around someone and never letting go. I will always protect you. I'd always trust. And even if in a certain circumstance that trust has been broken, it can be rebuilt. Should you want to. Love stands there. It always trusts. I love this one. It's probably my favorite one of the always. It always hopes. Meaning that we never give up hope that we're always hopeful that tomorrow can be better than today. We're always hopeful that someone can change. We're always hopeful that someone can do better, right? It always hopes. And then lastly, it always perseveres. It always perseveres. It always goes the distance till the very end because that's what we pledged to do. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are many languages, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. So I just want to give you something here as we kind of start to round third base in the message and come on home. Something that I just believe, right? I just believe you can fall in love with anyone. Let me tell you about this stupid show I've been watching in more detail, okay? So these people, right, they picked a number of them and they put them in these rooms where they can't see each other. And they, all they can do is talk and there's like a wall between them and they're supposed to determine in like a seven-day period of time, I don't know if it's seven or 14, call me wrong on the details if you want, but it's like seven or 14 days based on only speaking to this individual if they want to get engaged to this person on the show. I'm telling you, go, if you don't have Netflix, subscribe, start watching this. It's a really cool thing, okay? And I'm going to myself, this, this can't be possible. And now I'm in it, right? Now I got to see what happens next. And you know what I thought about when I was watching this show? You can fall in love with anyone. I truly believe that. I truly believe that falling in love, that initial feeling is addicting. Man, we can get excited about it. You can, falling, you can fall in love with anyone. Falling in love isn't the problem. Falling in love is not the problem. Staying in love is. Staying in love is. Because over the course of time, here's what happens. Life happens. Job transition happens. You move away to a different city, it happens. You have a child, or maybe you don't have a child, and it happens. Life changes, people pass away, they die, family members do. And we have to understand that staying in love is so very difficult throughout all of those life changes and circumstances. You want to stay in love? You believe it's something that is a good thing for your relationship, your marriage, your future? You want to stay in love? Do this. The instructions are very clear. They're there, right? 
Paul talked about this in the New Testament. Love is patient, love is kind. Love, it, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. If you just did this and lived by this every day of your life, you would have very few problems. If both of you did this in your relationships or your marriage, you would have very few problems because you're figuring out how to love each other first. Wouldn't it be amazing if every single marriage or relationship, let's just start in this church, put this into practice in their lives, people would look at us and they would go, why are those people so happy and in love? What is wrong with them? Okay, that's what culture would say about us. So speaking of life change, so when we get these microphones up here, like all the people get to speak on the stage, one of the things that we get to do is have an opportunity to share stories or examples from our own, our own lives, because that's just the only thing that we have, right? Our spouses hate it when we do it, and Caitlin said to me last night, we were sitting around the table, she goes, what are you saying about me tomorrow? And I said, well, you're going to have to come to the message to find out. I never give her a heads up, because see, when you give them a heads up, then they have the opportunity to veto, and we have no veto power on the stage, okay? Two months ago, two months ago today, actually, we adopted a baby girl, um, that's Libby. I told you they're cute. All my girls are cute. Like, I don't, I don't know what happened in my home, but that's just the way that I feel, right? So when we were going through the process of adopting, and we were talking, because we were kind of interviewed by um, the birth mom, and one of the things is she said, what are you going to want for her? What are you going to give her throughout your life? What is important to you? And we said a couple of different things and love and education and all those kinds of things were in there. But one of the things that I said, because I truly believe it, and I believe it to the core of my being, is that there is one gift that we can give her above all else. Just believe this. The very best gift that we, best gift that we could give her is a healthy marriage. I just believe that the very best gift that we could ever give a child is a healthy marriage. And, and, and again, for some of us, this didn't work out. This didn't go the way that we wanted it to. That's okay. The great news about the Christian faith and Jesus at the center of it is that we have the opportunity to continually be made new over and over. And if it didn't work out the first time, maybe it works out the next time. Or maybe it works out the next time. Or maybe it works out the next time. And then maybe we stop trying after that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I just believe the very best thing that we can give a child is a healthy marriage. I just believe that's so important. And here's the thing in culture, which I want to just address, and it's so key. Don't miss this, because some of you are about to get married in the room. Don't invite me. Some of you are going to, just kidding. Some of you are been married a long time. Some of you are newly married, trying to figure it out, right? I just believe that when marriages go south, people, human beings tend to say, well, that's okay. My kids are more important anyway. At least I have them. And that's true in a way. At least you do have them. But I will tell you this is that the most important thing if you are married in your physical human life should be your spouse. Take that from here. Don't miss that. And the very best gift you could give your children should you decide to have them is a healthy, functional marriage. And when I use the word healthy, I don't mean that it's not gonna come without issues. I just mean that it's not necessarily about the issues. It's how we work through the issues. So Downtown Harbor Church, every single week, we put a word on the screen to help you kind of dissect this message and go, what can I do to put into practice on Monday what I heard about on Sunday? So what's the practical? That's the, that's the question for today. What's the practical? We just want to give you a couple of practical things that you can go here with and maybe jot down, take a picture of, go back to this message and go, this is something that I really wanted to put into practice in my life. 
It's this. First of all, you need to use 1 Corinthians 13 as a litmus test for your own life. Use it as a litmus test for your marriage. Now, might that mean that there would be a couple of conversations that might be a little uncomfortable as you sit down and you go to each other? Are we patient? Are we kind? Do we boast, right? Do we keep record of wrongs? Those are good conversations to have. And even though they may be a little tense, right? Using 1 Corinthians 13 as a litmus test for your life is one of those things that's gonna help you figure out how to stay in love long-term. Put the verse in your house, put it somewhere, put it in a frame, put it as the background for your phone. I don't know what that looks like for you. All I know is this, keep it in the forefront of your mind and your heart and your life. And all of a sudden, love with our spouse. Things that love requires of us become a part of our daily activity as we interact with our spouse. First Corinthians 13, litmus test for your life. First practical. Second practical, watch out for the dog, okay? And I mean this, and I don't really mean watch out for the dog, if, unless that is something you put into practice in your home. I mean, figure out what that looks like for you. Figure out where that test is for you based on if you're being kind, if you're being gentle, if you're exhibiting the traits that Jesus has called us to exhibit in that moment, watch out for the dog. And then lastly, it's this. If you're married, let me just talk to married people in the room. But some of you are gonna be someday. Some of you wanna be someday. Some of you are gonna be again someday. So this applies to you too. If you're married, put your spouse first. There is a common misconception in culture that our spouse is not the first person in our life if we are married. Let me debunk that. It is not your job. It is not traveling. It is not your children. It is your spouse. That's why you need to invest in each other. That's why you need to speak kindly to each other. That's why you need to go the extra mile. That's why you need to go on vacation together alone. That's why you need to go on date night together alone. Step over their crying car. Uh, corpses as you leave the house, okay? That's why you need to go out, right? And do this. Step, just step over them. Let the babysitter handle them. They will live. We Go out and invest in each other. Put your spouse first. It's so key. It's so important because we're tired of looking at each other and going, this didn't work out. I'm heartbroken. I'm broke. I don't know how to pick up the pieces of my life. That's why we have to stay in love. And sometimes, gang, it just doesn't work out. Sometimes we thought we were in love and it just didn't turn out to be that way. Sometimes someone fell out of love with us and left us high and dry. I don't know how to wade through all of that. I just know it's possible with Jesus at the center of our heart and life. Here's just something I believe. As we wrap up week two of love connection and what that looks like. It's very simple. Staying in love is worth it. It's worth it. And when you talk to people who get to that stage in their life, and they've been married for a lot of years, we have some of them who are part of this church. I love when I get a chance to ask someone who's been married 50 or 60 years this question. And I love to ask them, hey, what is the key to being married 50 or 60 years? And generally, the guy says the same thing, keep your mouth shut. And I go, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's true. I believe that the verse in 1 Corinthians, should it be put into practice in your life, 
is what keeps you in love for the long term. I think it's so key and it's so important for us to all realize that as we wade through our relationships, as we wade through our marriages, whatever that looks like for you, where you're at, it doesn't matter. What matters is love. Jesus talked about this more than anything during his time on earth. Love. Don't miss it. Because staying in love is worth it. Let me pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for relationships in this room, marriages in this room. God, I just pray that if there is a relationship in this room or a marriage in this room that is on the rocks, that you would intervene, that you would be present, that you would fill their life, that they would get the support that they need, the help that they need, that they would seek after you with all that they do. God, I love you, and I thank you for this day. I thank you for what hopefully this day will do for couples in this room and in our city and who are watching online. And Lord, we'll be so quick to give you all the glory. Jesus, we love you. We stop and praise you for today. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.